So good to see all of you here today. As you find your way back, I'd love to have you take your Bibles and turn with me to book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, as we begin fall together, we want to take just a, one morning to refocus ourselves just a bit on some very important things and reminders of who we are as a church and where we're going and things like that. So book of Romans is where we're going to be just for today only. Mentioned uh, welcome to fall and so on. I hate to tell you, I know here in the Northwest, it's, it's, um, I felt it a couple weeks ago. Uh, it had quit being quite so hot and there was that, that, that thing in the air when you go out to get the newspaper in the morning and you think, oh dear, has it come to this? And I know some of you are excited about that. I am too on one level. I love fall, but it's with a certain amount of sadness that, uh, the weather guy, I hear the weather guy say, that's probably your last 80 degree day for a while. It's like, oh man. All right. Well, I'll submit myself to that. Uh, pardon me. Yeah, pray for snow. Well, in a while. Uh, in the meantime, we have some fall to enjoy. Uh, next week is actually the Sunday we're going to step into our larger preaching series that will take us through the Gospel of Matthew between here and next July. But today, I want to take one more one morning, not to synopsize the book of Romans, really, but I'm after just a couple of sections. And in those sections, to remind us as a church family and as individuals who are part of a church family, uh, that we need to hang on to the gospel and specifically the Christ of the gospel. I'll be explaining all of that a little more. If you have your study sheet, though, I want to get ourselves headed that direction by just reflecting with you just a little bit by way of some thank yous. Uh, as the seasons change, I regularly look back over the calendars that have driven my life, or recorded my life over the past weeks, and I look back over this past summer with just so much gratefulness. I really do. Uh, so much good has taken place. I think of program elements, and I list some of them here for you. Things that we as a church family have been a part of. You've come to uh, dinners in the park. Relationships have grown. Baptism night as we froze. Well, we, we celebrated down in the sound. <laughs> we froze. Um, so many other elements that just involve a lot of church life. And I mentioned here a lot of life. And I, I know that during a summer of ministry, it's not just about activity uh, in, in walking life along with you all. Uh, I know that this past summer has had its share of high spots and camping trips and travel and going to various places. Many, many people have gotten out, seen a little bit of the world or gone to some other wonderful place to relax. Some families have welcomed babies into their homes once again. Uh, others have said goodbye to loved ones and more than a few, more than a few have walked through the summer. Oh yes. With good times. Absolutely. But with heavy loads of concern and care. And if that's you, if you're one of those, I just would want you to know you're not alone. You're not the only one. Everybody else is having a party except for you. Not true. No, no, no. Life just doesn't work that way. Does it? Um, Life brings its share of disappointments and sadness and struggles, uh, things without and things within. And uh, if you are carrying a load of, of uh, concern and so on, uh, you are not alone in doing that. 
Now, uh, I continue with just a few things here. Uh, gratefulness as well for your faithful attendance, participation, giving, all of those things. The last 10 weeks, we've explored the Ten Commandments. You know, I've been amazed at how many... Um, I don't know. Sometimes you go to the Old Testament and there's a, you know, some people have a sense. Let's, how long are we going to be in the old emphasis on old? How long are we going to be in the Old Testament? Like, are you kidding? It's the Bible. Come on. There's good stuff from beginning to end. Really, there is. And I've loved to see you all, us all together resonate as we've worked through the Ten Commandments. Even some of you who've let me know that when you missed a week, you listened online. No, really. People do that periodically. They, they want to hear about what we, what we said about that. And so with various ones of us preaching, you, you went back and you caught up and you paid attention. And I am so grateful. Thank you. Last weekend, we did a Worship Together weekend. Uh, went without a hitch. We welcomed all of our grade school kids in here. And uh, man, it was fantastic. Now, I just hasten to say there were 24 preschoolers that had we unleashed them on us. It might not have been quite so smooth, but um, nonetheless, we had a wonderful morning. And I so appreciate your flexibility in in doing something a little different that way. And then along with uh, Pastor uh, Tyler and others, Ben and so on, and Luke, as he returns from uh, his his honeymoon along with Jessica, uh, we look forward to the fall. And all the different ministries getting going again. And we're recruiting, of course, through the ministry fair community groups. Uh, We put something else in your bulletin here. Uh, I'm going to refer to just a couple of things. Uh, This little document, mission, vision, core values, and so on, short-term goals. Something we handed out at our annual meeting back in May. It'll be familiar with to you if you were here then. And newer if you weren't. But it just gives some sense of things that we're working on, places we want to go, uh, areas we want to want to maximize the ministry and circumstances God is giving us. Reminds you of what we're here to do, mission, vision, and so on. What we believe our DNA is, our core values. Uh, some of the elements under short-term goal are, goals are now history because they took place in the summer. And you can take a look at those. A couple I want to comment on on the back, Okay. Uh, this is, uh, I suppose, a moment of shameless recruiting, but it's, it's okay, I trust. Top of the page says, reach out and build up. Um, one of the things we want to do, there are some of you who are really into social media. A whole bunch of the rest of you aren't quite sure what that is all about, and that's okay. It's not for you. Okay, we'll leave you with your landline and your yellow pages at home, and you can just be there and be happy. Um, I still have a landline, so I'm picking at me, too. But some of you are real, have a real presence on social media, and you all are the people I'm after here. We would like to launch a social media team of some people who know what that means, who can help us develop a presence in social media. Okay? If you know, well, of course, that's you. If you just jot your name down on a communication card, give that to me or to my wife, somebody at the Welcome Center, we'll hook you up. We want to do that in the next 30 days. Okay? People running with that. So if you're not sure why we would do that, <clears throat> just leave it alone. Rest, rest in peace and graciousness. And uh, those of you who know, um, please let me know about that. And Ben mentioned already uh, Saturday, 630. Yes, our table group leaders for our men and other men who recognize that 630 is, is actually on the clock and who wouldn't mind coming to something that early in advance of another men's event. Um, we're going to pray together. We're going to talk about leadership and a number of things. And that'll be 6.30, 6.30 promptly uh, up at the office. So and then we'll come right down here and be ready with the rest of the men to be part of our authentic manhood study. But 
All those things I'm excited about, and I'm grateful, really grateful. Well, I want to say a word about where we're going today again and why. Uh, Romans, in front of you here, want to spend some time in the opening paragraph of this book, because the book of Romans is a letter about the gospel. It explains the story of Jesus and why it matters, and it does so in 16 chapters. I'm not going to synopsize all of them, but I want to read and make a few comments on this opening paragraph, a different preaching style than I typically do. Then we'll visit Romans 8. We'll visit Romans 15. And that will kind of take our morning. But I'm after something very, very specific. And that is this. Sometimes churches go sideways. Mean the best. I'm not picking on anybody. But in the midst of activity and busyness, it's easy to let your, 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 your core, uh, the core of the gospel kind of be set aside. Oh, maybe not intentionally. Maybe not Maybe not purposely, just just maybe by neglect. I I kid you not, there are so many good things churches can do. We get get, um, invited constantly to do more things. You know that? Uh, Programs to be involved in, wonderful things in the community, new things to add that would serve a church family. And sometimes, and we do some of them, we do a lot. But it would be possible for a church to be so busy Doing, 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 doing. That you, you almost run out of time to do the most important things. And I'm wanting to remind all of us today that it is, it is absolutely essential that we hold on to the word of God and its core message. That is the story of Jesus. And specifically, you're going to hear me differentiate between these today. Not only the story of Jesus, but the person of Jesus. Because the gospel at its, at its center, it, yes, it tells the story of the, the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes, absolutely. But it isn't just a story of details, not just something out of history. There's a person that this is all about, and it's a living Christ. Okay? And we just absolutely must not budge from, from Christ and the gospel as the core of everything. Okay? I just want to say that today. Now, you could right now say, well, I heard the sermon. Well, you, you kind of did. We're going to do that for about the next 30 minutes. But I want to remind you, I want to remind you, that's what I'm after today. Okay? So our Bibles are open. I want to pray for us that God would help us with this. And then we'll, we'll step into the text today. Father, thank you so much for each person who's here. I know they each one could be somewhere else. But they've come and you've brought them here together, our kids down the hall, babies in the nursery and others in classes elsewhere. But Father, we're here for you. Ultimately, we really are to 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 remember who, who you are and what you're like and what you've done to draw us to yourself in Christ. And we're here to remember the things that are most important and to order our lives around your truth. And so, Father, would you help us with that today as we come to the word of God? Help us as we listen and learn and then turn to you and obey. So, Lord, help us here in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a little paragraph there in your study sheet that gives a, a, a little explanation of the book of Romans. And in particular, the, the paragraph in front of us. Paul is about to launch into a lengthy discussion of the gospel. And it begins with an awareness of our need. That is, Romans 1, 2, and 3. Paul takes great time... To, to hammer out the brokenness of the 
of the world around us. And I I want you to get this, please. Uh, Paul is not blind. Paul is not blind to the difficulties of a world affected by sin. And that's what he's going to talk about. But it's more than that. And sometimes, sometimes we end up thinking about the brokenness of the world and we, we maybe don't give as much attention to the idea that it isn't just the world that's broken. We're broken. There are moments in our lives we're more aware of that than others. But it isn't just the world needs Jesus. It's I need him too. Every single day. Uh, I didn't just need Jesus to get me signed up for heaven. I need him now. I need him today. And so do you. And if we ever begin to think that, that we need Christ, you know, just like to, you know, for a great retirement plan in heaven someday. And, you know, and then in the middle here, it's all up to us. Oh, no, no, no. No, I need, I need the Christ of the gospel to get me into his family and to, to care for me and to take me home. So the gospel then here, this little paragraph, it's where Paul's going in Romans. He's describing Christ as our only hope. He's describing the importance of taking the gospel to the nations. We call that evangelism often. Uh, helping people who trust Christ to follow him. It's often called discipleship. And to celebrate, of course, the living God, and we call that worship, some of the tasks of the church. I'm going to read Romans 1, 1 through 6, and we'll talk about it here uh, under this, this uh, heading, the Bible, God's story of creation, redemption. So Romans 1, then, 1 through 6, let's hear the word of God. Paul says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart For the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand, that is the gospel, he promised beforehand through the through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who has descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And in case we're not sure at this point who he's talking about, the ESV puts it here, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So that's, it's not just to get us to believe something, but obedience to follow, actually follow Christ, the obedience of of faith for the sake of his name and the scope among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And you notice the connection between verse one and what now follows in verse seven, following the pattern of an ancient letter. Writers would typically identify themselves first. So the writer's Paul. You didn't have to look at the end saying, you know, love Aunt Susie to know it's from Aunt Susie. Uh, Paul would say at the beginning, it's Paul. And then he'd address the people he's writing to. So verse seven uh, to those in Rome. And then he describes them as those who've heard the gospel and, and believed it. Now, in those verses at the beginning, Paul gets started describing not only who he is, what's what's at his core, but he describes his message what he's all about set apart. He says for the gospel of God. Now that word gospel, some of you well familiar with it, but I don't assume everybody is the word gospel is a word that means good news. And it's like code in the Bible for the story of Jesus, specifically Jesus, son of God, having left the glory of heaven, taking on a human body, never ceasing to be God living a perfect life. Quite unlike ours. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, the Bible says, in our place. When Jesus died on the cross, 
He took our sin upon himself. He paid for it all. And then the Bible tells a story that death could not contain him. And three days later, he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, lives today, one day to come again. So gospel is this, this good news from God telling the story of Jesus, inviting us as well to trust him as our savior. Now, that's what this little paragraph is all about. And Paul notes, if you kind of scan those verses we read, this gospel, this good news was promised a long time ago. He's looking to the Old Testament, okay? Promised a long time ago. Jesus, he says, descended from, from, from David according to the flesh. Uh, this Christmas, our Christmas program here is going to tell about a certain part of the story of the Bible And it's going to explain to us some things about why it matters that Jesus is called the son of David. We're going to look at, are you ready? The Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7. And if you think that sounds awful and boring, skip December. Oh, no, 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 no. You really should come. Uh, It's incredibly exciting as we, we look ahead to Christmas. David, shepherd, warrior, king, all looking ahead to Jesus, our shepherd, warrior, king as well. So son of David, son of David. Declared to be the son of God. He's telling the story of the gospel. He comes to verse five and he talks about uh, the nations. Now, some of your Bibles use the term uh, Gentiles among the Gentiles. I like the ESV here where it says uh, we're communicating the gospel to the nations. It's ethnos. It's the word, of course, a Greek word from which we get the word ethnic or ethnic groups. And it's a look to the world, the non-Jewish world, the Jewish crowd, and then everywhere else to the ends of the earth. It's a reminder of the Great Commission. Now, that's where Paul's going. If you look at your study sheet, I'm giving you kind of like five little hooks. Okay? If you remember these five, you can remember the story of the Bible. All of us who are students of the Bible, I I think, would benefit from being able to think our way through the big picture. What's the Bible all about? Well, it's about these five things. Here's the whole story. The whole Bible tells this story. Uh, Often we use four parts. And I, I credit um, Michael Vlock, a book I'm reading in preparation for study in Matthew, really a good book, um, a professor at Master's Seminary, this book, A Gift at the IFCA Conference we attended back in June. Pretty good, pretty good. Five parts then, five parts of creation. Creation is the beginning. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, God made a perfect world in which people, humans, related personally and directly with him. The Hebrew word shalom would capture what that idyllic setting was like. Uh, Often people use the word shalom if they're going to use it. They mean it as a greeting, like a hello or goodbye. Sometimes it's that casual. It's not that casual in the Bible. The word shalom is a rich word that means expanded. It would mean it would mean wholeness and wellness in every sense of your of your being. Uh, Peace, rest, joy, um, Kind of like a perfect life. It's, 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 it's you're at peace. Shalom. When you wish somebody shalom in a Jewish context, it's more than saying, you know, ciao. Uh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a wishing. It's a wishing well. A wish that your soul would be well. Your body, mind, and soul, and spirit. All of you. Creation. God made a perfect world in which that was the case. People related to him personally, directly. Then the next one, fall. The fall, that is Adam and Eve, refused to believe God's direction and follow his direction, refused to believe his word. That's, of course, is told in Genesis chapter 3, where people went their own way. They heard what God wanted to do and wanted them to obey. And, and they said, yeah, not so much. We're going to do it our own way. 
Folks, listen, uh, we struggle with that same thing inside of us, don't we? In fact, it's your struggle this past week. It will be your struggle in the coming week. Right? That thing in you that says, am I going to go God's way or not? Right? Adam and Eve struggled and they went not. And the world was plunged into sin. Dramatic effect when people say not so much to God and they head a different direction. By the way, there's a lot of consequence for you too. However long you've lived, you probably know that. I hope you do. Uh, Yes to God has one set of good consequences and forget it. I'm going to do it my own way has another set of consequences. Typically, at least eventually, uh, not so good for you. Well, that's what that's what the fall is all about. The world plunged into spiritual darkness, creation affected. We'll see that in a few minutes in Romans eight. Now, a third element promise promise. Michael Vlock adds that usually creation, fall, redemption, restoration promise. He suggests we include that in the middle. I agree from the very beginning. Uh, God promises a deliverer right at the beginning. Genesis three, when Adam and Eve first sinned, sinned, God already announces his plan of redemption. You guys think back with me. Genesis three. I so love this. In Genesis three, when Adam and Eve sinned, do you remember what happens? Well, sure. Adam and Eve hide. We got that part kind of run away from God. And, and what happens next? Well, it, God shows up. And he looks around, Adam and Eve are hiding. They're not here. And so God does something. He says, Adam, where are you? That is, God begins to search for his his lost creatures. He doesn't go in anger. He doesn't have a whip. He's not all, you know, angry and indignant. You get out here right now. You ever talk like that to somebody? You get over here right this minute. We are, oh, you're in so much. Not saying you should never sound like that. Just saying. Genesis 3, God says, Adam, where are you? And he calls his lost people back, which he still does today. Adam, come back. Come to me. By the way, that would be his word to you. If you don't know Christ as your savior, that same voice, it echoes all the way down through the Bible. God over and over again says, come, come, come to me. Jesus would say later, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Uh, God does not call us to himself with a whip. He, he calls you. He calls you to come. That's what he does in Genesis 3. He announces judgment on those who refuse. Yes, he does that. But he he calls, he calls us to come. The promise of a deliverer, Genesis 3. And then you go to Genesis 12, and this is the next little fill in there on your study sheet. A deliverer, one day to come, see to the woman, reverse the effects of the fall, and bless the nations. Genesis 3 is the Abrahamic covenant, God's promise there, that includes blessing to the world, blessing to the nations. We're involved in pursuing the nations with the gospel as well. Uh, we as a church promise the promise fourth redemption, Messiah, Jesus. Again, this is what Paul's talking about in this opening paragraph of Romans redemption. Messiah. Jesus brings redemption through his life, his death, his resurrection, redemption. Of course, the gospels, we're moving our way through the Bible. Jesus comes. And then finally restoration, that fifth element creation, one day to be restored, Peter would say, Second Peter 3, uh, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. King Jesus, ruler over it all, will be the ruler. He will rule. He shall reign forever and ever. So this big story 
is what Paul is referring to in this opening paragraph of Romans. As he begins to explain the story of the gospel, he's referring to this big picture. So those are five little hooks. You can put the whole story of the Bible. What's the Bible about? Well, it's a story of creation, fall, promise, redemption, restoration, those five things. And Genesis to Revelation, it goes there. Go to that next section on your study sheet, if you would. Okay? The gospel. The gospel. Now, I want to say just a few things here about how God uses the gospel to save us and change us. Sometimes when people think about preaching the gospel or explaining the gospel, they end up thinking that the story of the gospel, that is the story of Jesus and his life and death and so on, that that's what you speak to people who don't yet know Christ. And then when they come to know Christ, you move on to other things. In fact, uh, it's, it's embarrassing to think, but there have been times when people using uh, a, a framework in the book of Hebrews of talking about milk and meat have said, well, the preaching of the gospel, that's like milk. And then you get on to, you know, like the priesthood and Melchizedek and the sacrifices. And that's like meat. That's awful. It's an awful way to think about the Bible. It's an awful way to think about Jesus. And it's just flat out not true. Let me tell you why nobody ever outgrows the need to hear the gospel. We, there's no other way to grow. There's no other way to become more like Jesus. There's no other way for you to live day by day than to live in the gospel. You never outgrow the gospel. It isn't milk and then you move on. Oh, please. No, nobody in this room has outgrown their need for Jesus. Nobody. And that's the gospel. Now, I want you to look. Your Bibles are open. Romans 1. Look at verse 15 with me. It's clearly what Paul believed. He is writing this letter to the believers. To the believers. He calls them saints. The believers in Rome calls them that in verse 7. In verse 15, he says, so I'm eager to preach. What's his topic? The gospel. I want to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I want to come to you. I'm going to go to your church service. Now, Paul preached elsewhere. He did preach the gospel elsewhere. But to the believers, he also preached the gospel. I want to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome. You believers, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. I want you to hear about the life and death of Jesus and why it matters to you every single day. And with that in mind, I'd like you to go with me to Romans 8. Okay? There's a paragraph I want to read here with you. Some of this I'm going to comment on as we celebrate communion in just a a bit here. So I'm not going to be done with Romans 8 uh, this quickly. But there's a paragraph I'm after. By the time you get to Romans 8, Paul has talked about our need for Christ, how we come to him by grace through faith. And he's now talking about what it means to, to live as a follower of Jesus. But he's going to talk about living as a follower of Jesus in a broken world where sometimes it's harder than what we think it should be. Did you hear what I just said? How many times have you, in a sense, and maybe you wouldn't think about it quite this way, but by your reaction, it's this. You're almost surprised that it's this hard. Is that ever you? Yeah, it ought to be easier than this. Life shouldn't be this hard. I don't know why we think that, but we do. I, I, I wonder sometimes from a good standpoint, if it isn't because there is in our hearts as followers of Jesus, a little breath of heaven. We're already wishing to be there, but we're not. Maybe C.S. Lewis might 
lean us that direction. There is in you something that longs for another day when it isn't quite like this. But in the, in the meantime, Paul now says, Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. Watch what he says about creation. That's the world, including the physical creation. Uh, The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. That's sin. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning. That's the first of three groanings in this text. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, then he moves on. So those first, that first little section, he talks about the broken world. And he said, it's like the whole creation is, is groaning because it, the effects of sin, and we feel it. We do. We often feel it. And this isn't, this isn't the way it ought to be. It's not the way God intended it. The world is broken. Uh, he's not done. Not only the creation, verse 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, that is followers of Jesus, we groan, he says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In this hope, we were saved. That is hope that it one day will be different than it is. Hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we don't see, ah, see, that's hope. We don't have it yet. We wait for it with patience. So creation groans. And even we who are followers of Jesus, we groan. Does that mean life isn't good? Well, it doesn't mean that at all. Life is good. And there are blessings. And there are birthday parties. And there are vacations. There's nice, quiet nights by the fire and eating popcorn after the kids are in bed. And it's wonderful, right? There are good. There are good times. Ah, you know. Good times with them, too. But sometimes even in those, there's, a, there's, a, there's an underlying current, isn't there? Can you be happy and sad at the same time? You know, we do it all the time, don't we? We, we? we enjoy a moment. We enjoy life. It's a gift from God, including the good times. And even at the very same time, we're, there's this thing in us that's aware that this or this or this or uh, it's not quite the way it ought to be. So we walk with both in this world. There's a groaning. There is. There's a groaning. Now, in verse 26, of course, you find the Spirit, the Holy Spirit groaning as well, praying for us, helping us to pray. There's a, that's the third groaning. Of course, that wonderful verse, verse 28, a reminder that as the New American Standard says, God causes, God causes, I like that. God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't happen magically. God does it. The NAS and the New Living Translation both supply it that way. God causes. Thank you for that. For those translations, I appreciate it. Look at your study sheet. Here's what I'm wanting to say. It's by the Christ of the gospel that we're saved. Yes, absolutely. By grace through faith. It's by the Christ of the gospel that we are sustained as we live in this present world. It's by the gospel. You never outgrow the need of this. And it's by the Christ of the gospel that we are changed to be more like him. And that's verse 29. We had not read. It's by the Christ of the gospel that we are changed. Now, stay in Romans 8. I'm going to be there in a few minutes as well um, as we celebrate communion. But I want to move to that section called response. Okay? A couple things here. I mentioned as I began that uh, as I talk about this 
keeping the gospel center uh, to a church. I mean, this is important for all of us as individuals and for all of us as a church family collectively. So it's an individual thing. It's a collective thing. Okay. I mean, both. And I'm saying this, we must hold fast to the gospel, the Christ of the gospel. I'm saying we must. Okay. You must. And we must as a church, we must, we must not be so busy pursuing all kinds of activity and things, good things even, that we have no time for Christ, who is the main point. And it's one of the dangers of living busy lives. We can be so busy, we have no time for the very core things of our faith. Christ changes us by the gospel. And if we're too busy, we run around like, you know, proverbial poor chicken. Man, we don't have time to live in the gospel. Uh, 30 seconds over breakfast, Lord, help me today, and off we go. That is not how God intended to change your life. We, we can get, get so busy, and churches can do it too, so full of activity and so on. Uh, as we look at discipleship here as a church, people sometimes wonder, what's your plan for discipleship? Well, the plan, first of all, begins with the proclamation of the word of God. Being here to hear the preaching of God's word. And many of you, then dozens of you getting into community groups where you discuss it. What's it mean? What's it look like? How do I do it? Or it's got gospel with shoe leather. So that's, that's where it all begins. It's not a special book you read. It's, I mean, books are great. I read a few. But that isn't the core of discipleship. The core of discipleship is you walking with Jesus and us as a church community, hearing the word of God and working it through with other believers. So it's, that's the core. Are we so busy? Oh, sometimes we are. Yes. We must hold fast to the Christ of the gospel. I've given you a couple of texts here. Colossians, First Timothy, that talk about Christ as our hope. Christ is our hope. Paul would say to the Colossae church and to Timothy, Christ, Christ is our hope. It's him. It's him. It's not just a story about him. It's not just details. It's Christ. We hold on to him. And then I reference Revelation 21 where we read those great three words, it is done. Just like Christ on the cross, it is finished. That wonderful day when Christ says it is done. It is done and there is no more sin to struggle with ever again. Can you imagine that? It's coming. It is. It is done. It's Christ. It's Christ who does it. We must communicate the gospel effectively in our families, to our own hearts, in our community, and yes, to the nations. We've got to do this. We absolutely must. We have no choice. We must do these things. We must live the gospel. Uh, maybe that phrase a little trite, but I like the two from the Bible. The fragrance of Christ, Second Timothy or Second Corinthians 2. The fragrance of Christ and adorning the gospel. Paul will say, you read the context, you get the idea. Titus 2, adorning the gospel. Adorning the gospel. Well, I want to I make a shift. And again, keep your Bibles open to Romans 8 because I'm not quite done there. But I want to pray for us that God will just help us right here. We're going to transition to communion at this precise moment. Because in communion, it's a telling the story of the gospel, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it uses two little elements, a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice to just point us again to Christ. So we come there right now. Um, to say, we want to take these few minutes to say, Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for Jesus, for his dying for me. And uh, I'm going to say a few more words about that in a minute. But I want to pray for us right now that God will help us as we, we walk this journey of remembering and celebrating the gospel. Pray with me, please. Those who are going to serve us can come at this time as well. 
Father, we continue to hear your word and to rejoice in it. We thank you for Paul beginning this big story of the gospel here in Romans. So grateful that he took so long to tell the story, every part of it essential. Lord, for us, the story of a savior, oh, we need a savior. We do. The world broken and we too are broken people. How we need saving. Yes, once and for all to become a part of the family of God. And yet daily, 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 a need for Christ. Thank you for the privilege today to taking a little piece of bread and a cup of juice to remember Jesus. Thank you for Christ calling us to this moment. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you know Christ is your Savior, we invite you to share with us in taking that little piece of bread and, and juice. The way we serve communion here, the guys will come back with little trays of bread. And if you would take just a portion of that, hold on to it till they come to the front again. And then together we will remember Jesus and we'll do the same thing with the cup. But this moment of, of, of family centering us on the gospel, let's remember Christ together. In Romans eight eighteen, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present world are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The idea behind the word comparing, uh, it draws to mind, the word Paul uses draws to mind an old-fashioned scale where you put a, something on one side and then a weight on the other, like they used to do apparently long before I was born. The idea is this. If you were to take all the things that are hard, all the suffering in the world that you experience, all the brokenness of life that you experience, the struggle against sin, if you were to plunk it on one side of the scale, some of you are well aware that's a pretty heavy load. And then Paul says, if you were to take the glory that is yet to be revealed, and you put it on the other side, what would happen? The side with the glory would far outweigh all the suffering and difficulty that is yours. I consider that the suffering of this present world, he says, is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed one day. You say, then that glory must really be amazing. (laughs) And you'd be right. You'd be right. All of that is possible. Because of Jesus, you cannot earn it, not a lick. It's all of him. That little piece of bread points us to Jesus on the cross, his death in your place, so that one day when that glory is revealed, you get to be there and hear those words, it is done. It is done. Well, it is finished. It is done. We want to remember Jesus together. Let's give thanks as we do that. So in Romans 8, Paul says a lot about suffering. How do you close a chapter on suffering? Is it, is it only a matter of hang in there? Is it only about a little bit of courage? Oh, no, that's not how Paul does it. Here, here are just a few excerpts from the rest of the chapter. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, 
who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. He skips on down. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or sorrow or nakedness or famine or peril or sword? I butchered it. Oh, man. Verse 37, knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's how he closes a chapter on suffering. Victims may be weighed down today, but not victims. No, victors in Christ, because you belong to him. All right? This little cup of juice is a reminder to us of the blood of Christ shed so that I can be forgiven, have his presence in my life today, and be in his immediate presence one great day. Let's remember him together. And stand with me as we pray together. Father, thank you so much for the story of the gospel and thank you for the Christ of the gospel. We as a church and as every member of it, we today want to hold on to Christ. The story of the gospel to be shared again and again and again. And all of us living Christ in our homes, families, our workplaces, our community and the world. Thank you for this church family. Father, I pray that the echo of the gospel, the words of the gospel, the Christ of the gospel, would, would, we'd never stray from this as the heart and soul of this church. Father, make it so, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.